You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back on the Oz Network for The Amazing Race Canada, Heroes Edition, Season 6. We're talking about Episodes 3 and 4, another double episode for us here. Uh, and aren't we glad we have a double episode because everybody on the panel today has seen both of these episodes. And by everybody, I mean Jared and I. <laughs> um but we're still going to have lots to talk about here. Uh, we're probably, well, I guess we're getting close to the halfway point of the season, which seems weird. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> um, we're going to try to bring you this every single week. But when it doesn't work out, expect us every two weeks. So if we're not here next week, you know where to find us one week following that. But we are here fresh right after a new episode is aired. My name is Colin, and I also sound like a wild boar. And this, of course, being the only podcast covering the Amazing... Maybe the only podcast covering the Amazing Race Canada, period. No, I think there's maybe one more. Rob has a podcast on it. Uh, But we are going to claim ourselves to be the only Amazing Race Canada episode where the majority of our panel is not from Canada. So introducing first, from Emu Plains... Someone who found the time to watch both of these episodes. Also an expert Corvette racetrack driver, Jared Lubick. Thank you. It's good to be back. I also name uh, all my animals after cars. (laughs) And also here, who will be here for approximately 30 minutes and counting. Uh, Expert pie-eating champion slash karate kid dancer slash hero uh anthony rossi yes i was too busy tying my knot that i didn't get a chance to watch the second episode so that's why i only do one with me um we'll 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 start with the first episode here because i think that's appropriate with everybody having seen it uh so we have non-elimination obviously last week uh we know we're gonna have boo we hate non-eliminations I actually prefer non-eliminations when we could do double episodes on that because it makes more sense. But we're sorry we're doing things a little bit out of order here. Um, <laughs> well, do we have a title for episode three? This was the wild boar one, right? Sounds like a wild yep. boar. Uh, alternate title sounds like a fiddler's fart. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of crude <laughs> things. Just as I'm going through the episode titles here, we have just a beaver hero. We've got fiddler's fart. Sounds like a wild boar and just suck my blood, please. it's a great season but this episode here we're still in canada we're just flying all over british columbia boo Boo. (laughs) rossi who's never been to british columbia we let's let's actually start off the episode by welcoming our newest listener uh martina who not only uh made sure to like our post but actually tweet out a picture of her listening to last week's episode so before well, we even get... she tweeted the picture. We don't know if she actually listened, but... Yeah, well, she she loaded our episode, <laughs> uh, the audio for our episode, and probably at least pressed play for long enough to hear the episode. Uh, so, I don't know, we, 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 of course, get Survivor listeners who listen to our Survivor coverage every week, because, well, they're on the show with us. Um, but as far as Amazing Race goes, uh, I don't know, what's it been since Justin and Diana in season, was that 27 or 28? Um, Brian and Cynthia in Amazing Race Canada Season 3. That was an awkward episode. <laughs> but, I mean, this is fantastic, isn't it? Uh, we we went on the episode just saying 
our favorite character we've seen in a long time, and all of a sudden she listens to the show. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have her on the show at some point. We're still waiting to line up the Justin Diana interview, which they remind Ben about every single time they see him <laughs> in person. Hey, I still want to come on the show. Uh, but Martina is obviously welcome on the show anytime. Uh, Rossi, you are a huge Martina fan. Jared, you're a huge Martina fan. Anything you want to say to Martina or Phil out there right now? Are you joining uh, Team Puppy Dog Attack or whatever they're called? Definitely. I think um, the love is real um, <laughs> inspiration every day when I wake up. I'm just like, I'm just going to attack this day like uh, Martina attacked that uh, blueberry pie. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, I just hope in my life that I will get somebody who can uh, push me uphill with two hands like Phil. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that moment. Um, Rossi, any message you want to have out there to any other people on this cast who are listening right now? Because uh, we know that Martina's spreading the word and everybody's going to be listening from this point on. Um, I just hope that Adam and Courtney continue to enjoy each other <laughs> on the race and kiss a lot because I don't think they do it enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to get to that one. Uh, let's start it off here. So they're going to Salt Springs, British Columbia. And I didn't mind the fact that they're back in BC already. I, I did find it weird just reading up on some of the trivia about this season that they're going to be going to New Brunswick before the end of the season. So Canada has, uh, you know, between our provinces and territories, there's 13 of them. We're on season six. We've had 50 to 60 episodes of the show and they still have yet to go to New Brunswick, which apparently they're going to go to before the end of the season. We've had like three legs in BC, <laughs> three in a row pretty much here, uh, or at least three different stops in BC. I'm not getting tired, but yeah, I think that we're getting different locations. But as far as this first episode goes, I think this was more about the challenges. Um, definitely, in, well, some of the challenges, some of them not so much. But this first one here, Piety, like I'm going to have the same complaint that I had with episode one where I think the challenges got progressively less and less interesting. This first one here, like, this is what it's all about. You want to see people a mess. You want to see them ready to vomit. Uh, well, I think we did see a lot. We saw more dry weaving in this episode than we have ever seen on Amazing Race, which which was this. It was a recent season, too, where they were somewhere and they were handling fish, and it was just constant. <clears throat> Rossi, you remember that one. That was on the last season, wasn't it? 30? Yeah, that was uh, last season. Yeah, so there's like, I don't know, we're going to have to do a dry heaving count um, from now on on this. I'm not paying attention to that, but okay. <laughs> uh, I, I love how many people are like, oh, I love pies. I'm going to be able to eat this quick. <laughs> now, what were the exact rules? Do they have to eat two pies between the two of them, but like it had to be one each? Or I thought one of the teams split it where one person took more of a pie. Does anybody know what the rules were? It was were? like seven teams did that. Mm. <laughs> like no one could finish a pie on their own except Martina. I, and Nancy. And Nancy. <laughs> Nancy crushed this challenge. <laughs> she ate like five pies. <laughs> I mean, that's that's probably just, you know, uh, mid-morning snack for an Olympic athlete in training. Um, I'm, I'm, this would be my favorite dessert. I'm not even huge into desserts. But if I had to pick even one pie that would be my, like, pie would be my favorite dessert. <laughs> what are you laughing at? No, I don't. I ask you for a snack every night, so but thank you for trying to... You say a treat. A treat. A treat. Yeah, and for me, a treat is like dill pickles, because that's my favorite food. No, but anyways, um, if I, my point is, if I had my choice between having chips 
or dill pickles, which is my favorite food, or olives or something like that, and having a cake, I'm not going to take the cake. But as far as pies go, I mean, especially blueberry pie, that's my favorite. I'm sure I have finished an entire blueberry pie in one sitting. Uh, but this challenge was fantastic. Uh, we need to talk about this just on its own, especially for the wild boar noises that <laughs> Martina had, which I couldn't tell if people were being legitimately serious. Like, what is that noise? Like, it's terrifying. Uh, or if that was just joking around if they could see her or not. But uh, Jared, start us off. Like, how great was this opening challenge? I mean, this was the highlight of the episode. Um, I mean, you could even say it was the highlight of the season. And who knew that it's such, like... I feel like this whole episode was very, like, low-budget, homemade vibe to it. But, um, I mean, this challenge just kind of... It, it worked. Uh, I did think it was a bit weird how they didn't have enough room at the tables for all the teams. <laughs> Um, which just seemed stupid, and you had teams kind of off everywhere eating pie just in the middle of a park. Um, but yeah, I think it was just it was great to watch, and just um, I suppose kind of jumping ahead a bit, seeing like all like the express passes being used for this challenge, which I mean turned out to be super tough. But like going into it, you're not thinking that that's going to happen. I just thought that was uh, a really interesting and an exciting moment. Rossi, this is why we love Martina though, because she's just. <laughs> Like, a simple challenge, she just makes it ten times better. She's laughing at herself. She's laughing at everyone else. She's la- she's enjoying the whole thing. It's so funny. She's like, I love The Amazing Race Canada! And just, like, dry heaving. <laughs> it was just so funny. You definitely know they edited the sound to make it sound worse, and it probably did. But it was just so funny. Um, yeah, it was very homemade, and... I was so surprised to see so many people struggle. So many people have to use express passes. Because I'm thinking, okay, you're on The Amazing Race. You're running around. You're probably very hungry. You're not, like, eating all the time. They could just down a pie. Mm -hmm. And, like, no one could eat it. Like, I get that some people, maybe, like, Courtney were smaller. So they maybe not have, like, the stomach room to eat a whole pie. But, like, so many people, like, Bill and Melissa are people who can, like, have body mass to them and they couldn't eat it. It was just like completely shocked. I actually wonder too, if they like fed them a really big breakfast, we'll have to ask some of the teams after the season's over. Martina, let us know. Yeah. Please let us know. Did they feed you a massive breakfast of pancakes, uh, waffles, uh, oatmeal, everything under the sun just to fill your stomachs before you had this? Because it doesn't seem that challenging, but what I like is, when we get a challenge like this where everybody struggles at it, because I think especially in both of these episodes, there's a lot of these challenges where everybody just sort of breezes through them. And some of them are structured that way. It's more about, we're going to put something interesting on TV, which we'll get to in the second episode, which we don't want to spoil for Rossi because he's only here for the first half. <laughs> but uh, some of these challenges is just, you know, you, you go in the turn that you arrived in. So if you can get one that people struggle with, I mean, this is what Amazing Race needs more of. They need people... They need more dry heaving on The Amazing Race. <laughs> That's what it's missing. Uh, and Martina laughing hysterically, followed by basically vomiting. It was like, <laughs> I, I want to make that my ringtone. <laughs> so good. And then uh, uh, I always mix up the Courtney teams. Uh, Adam and Courtney are the um, sickeningly in love birds. Yeah. <laughs> So when she's, and I have in my profile pic her basically vomiting into a bucket, and Adam's like, 
Even with her throwing up all over her own face, I can't help but want to suck this woman's face dry. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, come here, baby. Oh, it's just, it's disgusting and hilarious all at the same time. Everybody knows a couple like this, too, I'm assuming. Um, I can probably name two or three off the top of my head who are exactly like this, too. I just want to put a record. This is not me and Jamie. (laughs) With or without the vomiting. (laughs) This is not me and Jamie. Um, The number one food, like if I was on The Amazing Race, and I shouldn't say this because I'm the only person on the show who actually would qualify by being Canadian, but my kryptonite would be like hot dogs. If I had to eat hot dogs, that's the most disgusting food on the planet for me. If Jamie eats hot dogs, I won't go near her. For three days. There are times where I will excuse myself and sleep in the living room just because she had a hot dog. So, I mean, good on you, Adam and Courtney, that you're not disgusted by each other yet. Um, give it a few years <laughs> when you're married. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, all the express passes used. Uh, now, we we talked about all, all the express passes going out in the first episode. Um, does it bother anybody that all the express passes basically get burned through this quickly? I felt that that's kind of what made this challenge so interesting because it, it it made it more of a challenge, but it would have been nice just had it staggered. Like, if you just had the one team who was really, really struggling with this and then they use an express pass, you know, that's fine. It, it's good to have some left over. I mean, did, did all three teams use it or was there one left? Because I, I got confused after two were used. Um, I couldn't tell if uh, Nancy and Melissa used theirs. But what do we think about the express passes going this quickly? Jared? Um, I think I'm okay with it. I think, like, it would potentially be nice to have some left just to um, keep things a little bit up in the air moving forward. But I think having all the teams now back on that even playing field um, is fine. I think, um, I don't know if it was the smartest move uh, for all them to use it. I feel like Nancy and Melissa waited, like, too long to use it at that point. I think they should have kind of just finished. Mm. Rossi? Um... It's hard because I do wish they weren't used, especially on like a, it wasn't even a roadblock. It was a root info, like a blue paper task. So that was even kind of worse. It was like the simple thing that made it so hard. I I, I don't know. I'm just, every time I see these like eating challenges, I always like jump back to season seven of the U.S. where they had that, um, like it was a huge meat eating thing. And there was that big thing about forcing teams to use penalty, to get the penalties so that. It, it, like like five teams used the penalty yeah. and it was part of like Rob's strategy. Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, I kind of wanted that to be here, like that to be an option and not just, oh, I'm full express pass. Like it just seemed like such an easy cop out. I actually wonder if it was planned this way by producers. I mean, not that they're planning that somebody has to use an express pass, but give us a challenge that this this much of a struggle. And this is why I say the theory about they fill them up with a nice big breakfast first. Um, because how different would that, like, you know, the real drama is not an express passes. The real drama is going to be in a U-turn. They have a double blind U-turn coming up in the next episode, um, which Rossi, sorry if that's a spoiler for you, won't tell you what happens with it, but is, is that going to, is that twist going to work if you have three express passes out there? So I'm almost thinking that they, the producers kind of wanted to flush these things out early here you put the express pass in there because it's a staple of the race but you flush them out early because you want to have that drama of the u-turn in there um jared you you can get an opinion because you without spoiling it you actually see what happens in the next episode but is do you think there's any validity to that 
Um, no, I, I really feel like this was something they probably just weren't expecting to be that hard. I don't think... Um, I think if they'd wanted to get rid of them, there would have been more difficult tasks for the rest of this episode. I think it just came down to the fact that um, it was a fairly straightforward episode with the team so bunched up kind of the whole way through that it just kind of uh, played out that way. I don't think it was really pre-planned or, or they kind of made it intentionally difficult for the, the express passes to get flushed. I think that's just kind of the way that it worked out at the end of the day. I think if, if whether it was planned or not, I think them getting flushed out this early was probably better for the next episode as well, at the very least. Uh, regardless, everybody eventually gets past this challenge here. And, uh, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> was this a challenge or was it the fairy doors in the woods? Like, is this a real thing? What's the other thing I want to know? Is this a real thing or do they just add these? Um, you you can tell when something's <laughs> really pushing it because that's when they work their product placement in. And I don't know if the feed you guys watched was from uh, CTV or if it was from the live showings, but they have this little bubble that comes up on the bottom of the screen that says, can you spot the, uh, what was this stuff called, the daily totals or whatever? Uh, Can you spot it in this episode? And then right after they show a fairy door with these things like right in front as if anybody's going to miss that. This is some contest they're running. I don't know. But, like, I, I don't know. It was it, it provided for some funny moments outside of, like, really painful product placement. Thank you for slamming the door, Jamie. <laughs> She's very angry about the fairy doors. She's running out to get her dailies. That's right. <laughs> what? Hang on. What, what even are they? I had to look it up because it looks like toothpaste to me based on the box, but apparently the contact lenses, which is why they're saying, can you spot it? <laughs> Makes sense, but yeah, they're just like there's no explanation. Like, even are these like headache tablets or like <laughs> something or other? <laughs> Some good moments though in this challenge. Uh, I like when Taylor and Courtney find the the door that actually has something in it, and they find it. Hey, we got it! And then all of a sudden, I think it was Taylor's like, shh, shh. Like, did they miss the part where if you take one from a door, somebody can't get it from there again? It's like, we don't want them to know where this one is. You've already raided it. There's nothing left there. And they're, like, being really secretive about it. Uh, but greatest moment here, and this is why, aside from Martina and Phil, I'm going to put Dylan Kwame up as my second favorite team. They go up, and this is this is just like Dylan Kwame. <laughs> Knock. Hello? <laughs> and again, I doubt they were joking. <laughs> They're actually like, oh, we need to go and find some of these doors, and they're knocking. They, they expect a real fairy to open this thing up and be like, here's your clue. <laughs> go to the next route marker. <laughs> uh, we needed John to come out of the doors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mini shrunken John pops out. <laughs> uh, let's group in the next thing with this. They, they hop on another fairy, one that carries cars, by the way, which is a big deal. Are and- you guys annoyed about this, like, stop and start? That the, this like this episode had and, and like notice it before where it's like keep going keep going oh we can't do this because like the store yeah. is closed or the ferry's not running or it's too late at night we can't bungee jump at this hour like these like stop and starts because like all the express mm-hmm. passes were used because they're like we got to get ahead we got to get ahead we're falling behind oh wait we all missed the ferry we got to get yeah. the next one which comes in two hours yeah i didn't even think about that but i guess it kind of does waste the drama of the express pass being used um, I mean, I always consider that that's their way of evening the pack 
do it in one episode or once in an episode that's understandable. I don't even think it should be necessarily once an episode. If it is, maybe at the beginning. But, yeah, there was a lot of that in this episode. Um, Jared, do you have any opinions on that? Um, I think the fairies have been annoying just because it seems like they are so, um, like, spaced apart time-wise. Um, I think if you're kind of picking a transport, you pick something that um, is running kind of fairly frequently yeah. so that you can kind of space the teams apart. But I think they have done uh, well with the whole, like, lots of episodes uh, have had the whole, like, board and, like, signing in an order, which I think is a better way to do the, this place is shut in but, like, sign up in an order rather than lots of the times on the American version, it would just be like, this place is shut, everybody waits, and everybody's there together in the morning. Like, at least yeah. there's still kind of an attempt to stagger them a bit based on the time that they arrive at a destination if it's closed. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't get why they were... Because they had the seaplane thing at the very beginning where they signed up in teams, like, to leave at a certain time to go to this island, to then get on a ferry to leave the island. It was just, like... I feel like it was messy transportation. Like, they're, like, going and coming, and it just... I feel like it could have been avoided. Not that I hate the stop and start. It's just, like, I feel like it could have been cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, we did miss here, of course, in the fairy challenge, like you mentioned, Phil pushing Martina up the hill, which is amazing. <laughs> Another moment with a Jamie totally would have uh, made me do if she was on The Amazing Race with me. <laughs> Uh, let's group in here the Corvette product placement challenge because there's not a lot to this, but I guess it's kind of cool. I mean, we've had the Chevy sponsorship for the last two seasons, I think it is, maybe three even, but like as the primary sponsor, two seasons. And at least they gave them like a Corvette for this. Uh, the, the racetrack seemed like a cool idea. This one just seemed far too easy for me because they said you have to keep it under 80. And it was definitely editing that made this a little more interesting because the, one of the only moments that actually seemed like it was a struggle, other than um, uh, Courtney uh, going at about 120 kilometers an hour down the track, uh, was when Joseph and Akash were uh, going by, and Joseph's like, I'm a cautious driver, and it's basically like, it looks like he's going 40 kilometers an hour. Uh, but then they show the speed at the end, and it kind of ruined the joke, because he was like 73 or something like that. And I mean, most people were, were finishing this at like 75 to 78, and he finished still under time. So, I mean, the slowest driver on there was going to nail this. I, obviously, there's certain safety things that have to factor in here as to why they would have to go under 80, but it was just far too easy of a challenge to get any dram out of. Uh, so between the fairies and the uh, Corvettes, uh, any highlights that I'm missing here, Jerry? Fairies or fairies? Fairies and fairies. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're missing anything. Uh, I agree. I think the time potentially needed to be uh, like a faster time that they needed to finish for the Corvette Challenge to be more interesting. I think the challenges where it's one at a time, they're not my favorite because it does kind of automatically chuck somebody at the back like if, if they stuff up. Yeah. Uh, which is good because it adds that pressure, but I think when you have like everybody kind of competing at the same time, there's more of the suspense of, well, who's going to finish first rather than this person's first in line if they do it, that team's ahead. Um, yeah, and I think just everybody did it like very easily, so it felt like the time needed to be um, a bit faster to, to kind of at least have like a couple more people messing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rossi, what did you think? <laughs> 
I didn't have too much of a problem with the challenge. Like, it was very deceiving. Like, I was like, oh, this is hard. Like, someone, the first person got it within, like, two seconds of the time. And I was like, oh, this is going to be tough. And then everyone got it. And I was like, oh, whatever. It's a challenge, whatever. I don't care. The only issue I had was this back-of-the-line business, which has been three episodes in a row now, where if you don't get it, you've got to get to the back of the line and wait for everyone else in front of you to finish. And I don't get, like, this is essentially like a face-off every single week, except you're just not going against anyone. It's like, like, you compete, you don't do it, you have to get to the back of the line. And although it didn't eliminate this team this time, it just seems very weird that this is the format they're going with. I don't know if it happens in the fourth episode, but, like, it just has been repeat, 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 and I, it's not the best twist to add. I mean, I think at least we had the one team struggling with it. Uh, otherwise, this would have been completely meaningless. Um, I think the next challenge was definitely more challenging. <laughs> but, wow, like, this was a nosedive. This is what I was talking about in episode one. If you're going to have a challenge that's just dry to watch... Like, hey, you're going to tie on a bird glove <laughs> and it's a knot. Like, nobody in the audience is going to be looking at this. You look at the one dramatic moment of this and it was it was kind of Melissa saying, oh, I got this. I tie this knot every day. And then she ends up going 26 tries of tying the wrong knot before she realizes, oh, I was doing the wrong one all this time. But to the audience, you're not going to pick up on that. So there's usually things they could do in editing when you have somebody that's making a simple mistake on here, like when, when they're setting up a tent in the camping challenge, you know, you would have that moment where the camera zooms in on the one object that they're missing or they circle it. What are they going to do when somebody's tying a knot? And I mean, I, even with the birds, you know, if you're dealing with animals on the amazing race, you expect a certain level of the animals attacking people. And I'm sorry, we just didn't get that. Like, I want to see a zebra kick somebody in the balls or a camel uh, trample somebody. Uh, I wanted to see one of these birds peck, I don't know, Dylan or Kwame or Leanne or Mara in the face. <laughs> I have nothing against them. I'm not saying that, but just like, here's an example. Um, you know very well if somebody was going to get pecked in the face, it probably would have been Dylan or Kwame. <laughs> But there's just nothing to really enjoy in this challenge. And it was so dry that even though I think there was a lot more of a shakeup with the ordering of the teams, I just had no ability to follow who was, uh, who was wearing this. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, like, props for it being a difficult challenge, which I'm all for, because um, I kind of hate these challenges that they just breeze through and nobody struggles. Um, but they just were, like zero kind of character moments throughout this because it was just tying a knot over and over and over again. Um, and, like, the 15-second time limit, it just seemed like... It was, like, the opposite of the Corvette challenge. It seemed like it was too hard, and um, I don't know. It was just weird. The, the only good thing about this challenge that I looked forward to was seeing, like, what bird they would get each time because it seemed so ridiculous that, like... They have these massive eagles and then Elton the owl, and then they have like this little, I didn't even know, like falcon thing that just like these birds of prey, and then there's this small little like, <laughs> pretty much like a canary, <laughs> yeah, like a canary, like on, on somebody's arm. Like, okay, that doesn't seem like fair compared to the person who's dealing with the owl, but um, sure. <laughs> Rossi. Okay, so like in an ideal world, I feel like we want challenges that are interesting to watch and like difficult for them to do. Like, the car challenge, I feel like, was boring to watch and easy to do. Like, I feel like that's the bottom tier. And I feel like this, while it was dif- 
like difficult, which is a good, like it was kind of boring. So I'm okay with the challenge. And I think they did fun editing, like with Melissa doing it, like attempt after attempt after attempt in like mm-hmm. five seconds. And I think they played a little bit with that. So I thought that they did at least a decent job of showing it to us. Like it wasn't like, I thought that car challenge was very dull. So I thought this was a little interesting. I, I, I wish we got a little more of Martina with the birds, but what can we do? I mean, we got Adam, who we found out is a professional knot tire, <laughs> which they I, I get how they tie it to him being a firefighter, but it's the way he went. There's a, this is what I do for a living. And I think most people, when they associate something with a firefighter, they're not like, oh, those are those guys that tie lots of knots. Like, I get you're, you're going to do that, but it's not what you do for a living. It's maybe something you do as part of your job. Uh, and then he went on to say, it was like, oh, I'm a jack of all trades. I get cats out of trees, uh, yeah. dogs out of houses. It was just like, what is he's birds out of cages. I was like, where is he going? <laughs> this is like how we, we, we talk about like Todd, that he's just building his resume for things that make him a hero. <laughs> you know, blueberry pie eater, uh, Corvette driver. This is just, um, what's his name? Uh, Adam competing with that. It's like firefighter. Not tire, dog rescuer, cat rescuer, bird rescuer, bird cage opener. <laughs> Just run down his resume. Uh, professional kisser, uh, <laughs> professional lover. It's a bit too much. Uh, we have to go back for a second and talk about the line that uh, one of you alluded to earlier, uh, which is Martina naming all of her dogs after cars. <laughs> So here's our, we're, we're going to do a new segment on here, which is just our Mar- Martina questions of the week. <laughs> and if you are still listening, Martina, you need to answer these questions for us. So last time I think we did a full segment on the Amazing Race was in uh, season, or well, Amazing Race Canada, season three when we had our Brian and Cynthia moment of the week. Uh, we did our fun facts about Phil. So this is going to be like our third official segment on Amazing Race. Phil as in host, not <laughs> do it for Phil, Phil. <laughs> uh, so Martina questions of the week. If we come up with a third one, we'll add it. But we're going to have, did you guys get force-fed a large breakfast before the pie eating? And what are the names of your cars? Like, uh, Let's take a guess here. I'm going to guess one of her car's names is Honda. Uh, I'm going to guess another one's name is uh, Suzuki. Uh, Jared, two guesses. Uh, I think she's got a Chihuahua named uh, Porsche, um, and then oh, who knows? I think she's got like a pit bull called uh, Subaru. <laughs> Rossi. She obviously went out and got herself a bird because she was so in love with the Falcons from this challenge, and she went out and named it the all new Chevrolet Equinox, <laughs> whatever the car that they're offering off this time. Um, I, I want to also add this in here. I think both of you are familiar with this, that just before we had uh, our baby Casper, who's now two years old, so this would have been two years ago, a little over two years ago, we had had two stuffed giraffes we got, and uh, we decided to name them Simi and Opie, uh, just because we, I loved Simi and Opie from Amazing Race. And since then, half of his stuffed animals have names from Amazing Race characters. So he's got more giraffes. One's named Sharla from Sharla and Myrna. Uh, we got Gerard from Ken and Gerard from Amazing Race Season 3. Uh, we have two goofy-looking monkeys that are named Mark and Bopper. Uh, we have a giant caterpillar named Brian from Brian and Cynthia. So Martina is next in line. The next stuffed dog Casper gets 
we're naming it Martina, and then we'll get a pair of it so we can have a fill to go along. Uh, do you guys have anything you name after Amazing Race characters? Do you have any, a favorite plant or flower that you name after it, Jared? Uh, no, I like on on a similar like thread. I do have we have like a lorikeet, and it's called Jatia. Um, <laughs> I think you mentioned so, that before. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's as close as I come to uh, naming animals after uh, Amazing Race contestants. Um, but who knows? Maybe in the future. Anything you have, pet, inanimate object, you name after something Amazing Race or Survivor or Unreal or something like that? Um, not that I can think of, but now I want to go get something so I can name it Charler and Myrna. Yes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this too. The Charla stuffed toy we have was one of Casper's favorites because I would do Charla's voice. Or not Charla's The funny thing is I would do Myrna's voice the obnoxious yelling at voice. And it's usually Sharla the stuffed giraffe insulting Casper and calling him stuff like a bigot or <laughs> like these are the games I play with myself. Stop being a bigot, Casper. <laughs> we'll get a YouTube video up here by the end. If, if Martina can answer both of our questions this week, we will get a YouTube video of Sharla the giraffe insulting my two-year-old Casper. Oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> um, let's quickly run through the teams here. So, Rossi, I'm going to give you the pleasure because Jared and I are going to talk about almost all these teams again. Uh, we'll go from first to last. Just give us your impression. And I'm going to read the right episode here because I almost started with the first place team on episode four, which you haven't seen. Uh, Leanne and Mar, Rossi, give us your thoughts on them at this point, episode three. Um, I think they wasted the pass, but they're doing okay. I weirdly don't see them going as far as I thought they would based on the first few episodes. They've gone down in stock a little bit, but uh, I'm still doing all right. They were had a bad episode, but I think they'll be fine. Okay, uh, Taylor and Courtney. I love them. <laughs> you love Taylor and Courtney, really? I don't know. They're like probably the le- one of the least interesting, but they're just like. For some reason, I've like gravitated toward them. I, that dancing challenge will always be a highlight for me. So, I'm, I was glad that they like did really well this episode. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. They remind me of Adam and Andrea from the last season of Amazing Race Canada, except at this point, less interesting. I'm sure we're gonna get some great moments from them later on, but like Adam and Andrea were, ended up being one of my favorite teams, probably just because they're the sibling team. But they kind of remind me of them. Uh, Todd and Anna. Uh, they wasted their express pass. That's it. Bye. <laughs> uh, where are we at here? Martina and Phil. Uh, they are like they are legends, all star teams. Like mm. they're so funny, and, and I just cannot. I'm so ready for Jared's and I's first trip to Canada just so we can meet Martina. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's funny is Ben who, you know, hosts oh. Ben Waterworth, <laughs> who helped us start the Oz Network, who hosts other shows that are not The Amazing Race Canada. He's like, hey, is that invitation open to me too? I'm going to be in Vancouver in like a week. <laughs> so Martina, if you want uh, to meet up with one of our co-hosts who has never watched The Amazing Race Canada, there's your third question this week. Will you pull up, put up Ben and Mallory for a night <laughs> when they're in Vancouver? Um, Dylan and Kwame, please tell me you love these two. I love these two guys. They're so much fun. Yeah. 
And I didn't expect this much personality out of them, and I'm loving it. They were, like, dying at the Martina pie stuff. Like, they've been just so much fun knocking on the doors. I love them. I'm glad that we're getting a lot of personality from them, and I hope they do well. Courtney and Adam. I feel like I've said everything that we just need to (laughs) say about them. Like, I was a little annoyed when she's, like, crying because she messed up the car thing. I was, like, kind of rolling my eyes. I was like, okay, it's not the end of the world just just get over it this was a bad week for her like all around it was a bad week how how were they not last place because he knows how to tie knots (laughs) and his kisses work wonders to bring her back from the point of defeat no okay (laughs) Uh, we've talked enough about the kisses Zainab and Monica. I mean, they would have been eliminated if it wasn't for probably one of the worst teams in Amazing Race history (laughs) being eliminated this week. So uh, I don't have much hope for them. Nancy and Melissa. I think it was just a bad week. Pies seem to kill everyone. So like, I'm, I don't know. I Anybody else get a Corvette more. that's spinning around outside my window? <laughs> oh my god, are you doing the car ch- Is Jamie doing the car challenge right <laughs> Jamie now? Jamie just walked out the front door. What is she doing out there? Today's episode of the Oz Network is brought to you by Corvette. Continue, Rossi. Um, I just want more. Like, I thought we'd get more from Nancy and Melissa, and like we've gotten very little from them, I feel yeah. like. And they had a really bad leg like, this episode, so... Who knows how episode four turns out? I'll find out. Um, and we'll let you go first here, but then Jared and I can add on here. Joseph and Cash, as you said, one of the worst teams in Amazing Race history. The funny <laughs> thing is, is, like, I don't think you could disagree with that because they were second last, they were second last, and then they were last. But what makes it worse is that they were the only team that really breezed through the pie-eating challenge. They were the first ones out in the first challenge of this episode, and then they were the last ones to check in. It was just terrible. Uh, Rossi, do you want to add anything on Joseph and Akash? It's just they're like the fans of the season, and they've made mistake after mistake. They literally forgot their tent in the tent challenge like yeah. last week <laughs> to like missing the ferry, which was a like, big killer because they would have been far ahead. But just everything like they, I feel like they like we know the show, we love the show. We're not going to prepare for the show, and mm-hmm. I feel like that. If that, I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels like it shows. And just as a tease for next week, um, well, for tomorrow night or whenever you are able to watch this episode, they are leaving, which you probably saw on the preview, uh, going to Jakarta, Indonesia, which Jared and I will talk about in approximately a minute and a half. Um, double U-turns coming up, blind U-turns, so lots of drama. Uh, but you have to rate this episode for us, Rossi. Are you going to buy it, rent it, or bin it? Um, I'm going to rent it for the pie, but everything else is so bin-worthy. <laughs> Jared? Like, the pie saves it. What would you do, Jared? I'm I'm going to bin it uh, in a sustainable way so that it's recycled. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rent it again just for the pie challenge. Um, but, I mean, I, I can't disagree with binning it either just because I think it got progressively worse. Uh, I'm just going to tease, you know, just so that we can guarantee Rossi will still be here next week and he watches the next episode. The next one is better. 
uh, which Jared and I will talk about in approximately 30 seconds. Rossi, any parting words you want to have for us? Um, can I take back my bin, uh, my rent and eat the episode and then, like, upchuck it? Rossi wants to eat and dry heave the episode. <laughs> there we go. New category. All right. Thank you for joining us, Rossi, and I'm sure you'll be here next week, as well as for our project for the month of August. Um, do you want to talk about that really quickly before you go? As a tease, in case all the Rossi fans out there just tune out at um, this point. I will tease that if you are someone who likes to look at the Oz Network tallies of whether we buy, rent, or bin episodes, <laughs> get ready to look at the bin counter in the yes. month of August, because I think that we will have plenty in store for you there. Yeah, uh, we're going to be bringing you some gloriously bin-worthy movies in the month of August. We just have yet to line up which one's first. I think we have our final lineup of movies, but it's going to be fun. So, Ross, you'll definitely be back for that probably within a week or so. Uh, and hopefully another week for The Amazing Race. Yes, I'm on my way off to Jakarta, guys. Enjoy. Good night. All right, now that he's gone, let's uh, give our real feelings on him. <laughs> what a joke. Uh <laughs> He's still listening. <laughs> uh, so, episode two, just quickly before we even get into all the details of this, do you have, like, an overall opinion? Like, do you, did you feel like episode four was an improvement over the first one? Did you like that they went to a new location without even going to the details of the episode? I think, yeah, I think this was hands down the best episode of the season so far. Uh, it just felt fresh. The challenges were great. The whole way kind of threw out. Um, and... I think coming off the back of that leg three that felt so kind of homemade fan edition, mm-hmm. um, amazing race family edition. Family, yeah, I was um, going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it was just a massive improvement. And for me, like the best episode of the season. There's a weird thing with this episode in that I don't know if everything hit the way they intended, but it's kind of the things that they didn't intend that I feel like made it so good. Like, well, for one, going every time you go to a new location, this is the, what they miss in Canada. But what I love is when you go to a location, and it's the location that messes with people. When you get the cab drivers who don't speak English, when you get like even the way that uh, John set up this location, he, he said they're going to the chaotic city of Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, and he set up his chaos. And as soon as you get there, like the contestants are chaos, and it's just they're lucky they have the cameras rolling that they get these things, like Martina wiping out coming out of the terminal. <laughs> just rolling on the ground uh and then you get this frantic moment with nancy like this was maybe my favorite moment of the episode uh well favorite non-martina and phil moment of the episode where they're in the cab and nancy's like go 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 and melissa's like i think you're scaring him (laughs) there was just a lot of great uh stuff in here with the cab drivers uh, the, the the moment with uh, Dylan Kwame, it's like, how do you say number one all excited? And then the guy's like, no, no speak English. <laughs> like, Uh-oh. Uh, and then we get into, like, the, the first to sign up curse uh, when they're, yeah. they're uh, at the first challenge or whatever. And there's the, they're, like, in the very first episode or, or the first, uh, yeah, the first ones who uh, Chewy and Happy that checked in and signed on the board, first eliminated. Then Joseph and Akash, first to sign in and first eliminated. It's a completely pointless storyline, but these guys came up with something that made this episode entertaining here. Uh, So that was all my favorite stuff of the episode. The first challenge, I mean, it is what it is. 
I didn't know that durian is a stinky fruit. I mean, you're you're a lot closer to that region than I am. Uh, how far is Indonesia from where from Australia? Uh, too far. Too far. Closer than like, from Canada. Yeah, every everybody kind of goes to like Bali for like holidays in Indonesia from Australia. It's like the stereotypical kind of like bogan place to go where like <laughs> you you get drunk and hang out on the beach and probably like um end up in hospital by doing something unsafe <laughs> or like buying like a pet monkey and stuff like that it's just like the, tr- the like trashy kind of place to go like on holidays if you're australian mm-hmm. um so i feel like that's kind of our our real like link to indonesia here you're not trashy enough to have ever gone there of course no no definitely not um have you ever had this stinky fruit durian i haven't um i don't think i've ever like seen it before and i think kind of the letdown of the challenge was obviously it's like smells if you cut it open mm-hmm. but there was no like element to that it felt like there should have been like like i appreciated the kind of like carrying it because if you got to carry it spiky somebody got cut i don't remember who and then people somebody brought gloves which really annoyed me i hate when people have like something that can help them in the challenge in their yeah. bag that they've brought along um but i think they needed they almost needed to be like an element of like transport all this fruit and then you have to eat a piece or you have to cut it open or something they needed to like they needed to bring kind of the smell of the fruit if that's the big thing that it's known for like into the challenge somehow mm-hmm. yeah like you know the game bobbing for apples or is that not a thing over there yeah yep yeah so if you did like bobbing for stinky <laughs> fruit that that would have made a great challenge i mean carrying it you could see that that's the i think the other problem you could see that it was a challenge for some people like you said uh you know somebody said oh this thing cut me and but there were other people who were saying like oh this feels nice so i don't know if Mm -hmm. the contestants really helped the way that they tried to sell this challenge uh i I again think the best part of it was john when he was talking about the stinky fruit and then he goes and he gets a whiff of it and he goes "Mm." (laughs) like only john like i could never picture phil doing that on the u.s version or um grant like could you ever see grant bowler Sniffing a stinky frog. Mm. These guys take themselves way too seriously. This is really yeah. John great. Yeah, d- definitely. I think too. Like, I wanted somebody to fall in like the water so badly. Yes. Like the, the the planks were too wide. I needed like they looked rickety and like terrible. But they needed like one single plank that um I just somebody needed to fall in. There needed to be that moment of like this is really difficult and 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 somebody particularly struggling. But I feel like. The, like, the positions kind of changed a bit, but it was pretty much, like, whoever gets in there, like, gets out kind of at the same time as, as the other people there. Like, it didn't feel like it was that difficult to, like, shuffle the positions. Yeah, because I thought the same thing, because one of the first teams that were on, or I think the very first team they showed on those planks, it's, like, bouncing all over the place, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm shocked the show's letting them go on this. This is dangerous. But when they said, I don't want to fall in the water, I thought to myself, this is part of the challenge. They want these people to fall in the water. Maybe everybody just had incredible balance because they're all heroes, and volunteering at soup kitchens is what gives you special balance abilities or something. But it, 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 including that moment gave me false hope that there was going to be a little bit more to it. Um after this, uh, we get the the great uh, blind U-turn, which I can't remember if this has ever been a thing before. Can you think of a, like a blind U-turn? It, it's something that sounded familiar, but I can't in my head picture U-turns where you don't have the picture on there. Yeah, I think it's pretty standard in the American version at the moment, just to kind of add 
some more drama. I think kind of usually they have one of like a blind U-turn, regular U-turn each season. Mm. Uh, as for the Amazing Race Canada, uh, they didn't have one in the season that I watched. So <laughs> In the one season? Yeah. But, I mean, I think that it's way more dramatic to have the team up there. Uh, and I think we were lucky with the two U-turns we got on this that the teams got it. Like when Nancy and Melissa, I think the first few teams checked in, like um, Leanne and Mar and whoever else there was, they're like, oh, we don't want to U-turn anybody because we're, we're ahead. Nancy and Melissa come through, they're like, it's a blind U-turn. That means they don't know who did it. And they're like, let's, but here's the flaw in that. If you're going to really be playing up on the fact that it's a blind U-turn, that's when you U-turn the top team. You don't U-turn somebody you think is a bottom team because they just use the strategy of, we just want to make sure we get somebody that we know is behind us. So they choose Martina and mm. Phil. Um, and then who was the next one that U-turned after that? Um, one of the one of the Courtney teams was it Zainab and Monica? Oh, that's right, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they come in and they're like, "Let's take out a top team," which is the smart logic you want to use. Yeah. Uh, so then they target Todd and Anna. Uh, I, I think that if you combine those two things, you have a perfect way of representing why a blind U turn works. You can take out a top team while hiding your identity, but the ones who took out the top team didn't seem to care less whether anybody knew who they were or not, and the ones who were like, we're hiding our identity, let's go after Martina and Phil. As if Martina and Phil are going to hold a grudge, like, do you think that they would care? There's our there's our question from Martina of the week. Uh, would you have held a grudge if you knew who you turned you? Yeah, um, puppy dog attack. They yeah, pretend the that they attack. don't care, and then <laughs> they get you when you least expect it. I think, like, this was, did you feel like this was too... Almost too early in the episode, too. I feel like all the teams kind of knew where everybody yeah. was, which almost, like, ruins the blind uh, U-turn because you kind of... I feel like you kind of have an, like, idea of who's done it because everybody was, like, from that challenge to the bird market, which, like, why even include? Like, the bird market was such a random location. Yeah, um, yeah I feel like if it had happened maybe with, like, a couple more challenges, or I suppose you can't have the U-turn after the detour. But um, yeah. just when you don't know more so where teams are, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody kind of had a clear idea. Maybe not the first team through that chose to... Uh, Nancy and Melissa choosing to, like, U-turn Martina and Phil. I think that was a bit of a... We don't really know where Dylan and Kwame and um, Todd and Anna are, because, like, people didn't know that they got lost at that point. Um but I feel like, yeah, everybody just kind of knew kind of where the teams are, which is, I feel like, why those top teams didn't U-turn anybody close behind them, because people knew that who was ahead of them, so it kind of ruins the whole uh, anonymity of the, of the U-turn. And if you think about it, this could have easily worked a lot better if they didn't have the cursed board sign-up. Because by the time everybody signed on that board, you're actually seeing who's in what position. So, or was that, did they even have that in the, yeah, that was this one with the, the Chris yeah. board. So right at the beginning, these teams all know who's in what order. And if you're getting through the other challenge, I mean, you're seeing who's around you. So that's a really good point. Uh, I think it did work out at least getting some competitive teams battling it out in the bottom. Because the, the, the things that happen is when you have one of these U-turns, it often ends up being 
the teams who are at the bottom just U-turn like the one or two teams behind them. So it doesn't really change anything. Here, you actually had two teams that probably would have finished much higher up, especially when you see what the, the detours were and how they were able to power through those. Uh, so it gave us a bit more of a race on the end, which I think is one of the reasons I love this episode, because it felt like for the first time this season, it was a real race to the finish uh, for the eliminated team. Uh, for the detours themselves, now, this snake one was confusing for me. The sewing one, it is what it is. It's sewing. This is what Martinez wanted since day one, you know, sewing or cooking. But snake washing and leeches, was this like a two thing, like a, a double challenge in the detour you had to wash a snake and then do the leeches it just seemed weird i mean i think it works just because the sewing it could take anybody two hours and then if you're washing a snake i mean even if you're having trouble with it there's no way it's going to take you longer than you know 10 15 minutes or whatever this might have just been a way to like we know they run through the challenges before they put them on the air they'll they'll have their challenge team you know, do a trial of it. Maybe they found, oh, we're going to do this snake thing because there's these snakes here. And then like, well, this one's way too quick. All right, just have somebody sit there and attach some leeches to them and they have to wait for 15 minutes. It's, it's almost like an unofficial penalty that you got for having to do this one. Uh, but it was still kind of cool to see. It's it's not like there was a lot visually going on, but you had some people getting, you know, kind of freaked out with the snakes. And then uh, for whatever reason... Uh, Mar is just the least appetizing person ever for a leech. So there are some funny moments in here, and I think it's something that you wouldn't normally... You're definitely not going to see it in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It did feel like it was tacked on. It almost felt like uh, a speed bump, which we didn't talk about oh. in the last episode because it was so lame and pointless. Oh, yeah. And why even have a penalty if you finish last and don't get eliminated when it's going to take you all of two seconds? Um yeah, it's. I think I agree. I think it was just a thing with oh, these like detours are just going to take like ridiculously um, different amounts of time, so we have to kind of prolong this one somewhat. But I think I'm glad. I'm glad because I feel like the leeches they did provide some good moments, and they are just kind of disgusting things. So um, I was all for it. Yeah, like I wouldn't have gotten freaked out with the snakes. Um, but the leeches, it's not like I, I would have, like, oh, I can't do that. But it's going to make me feel uneasy. If the, Whenever there's something that's actually attaching itself to you and sucking your blood, I think that's going to creep anybody out a little bit. Uh, mm. The sewing thing, like, we knew Martina was going to breeze through this one. And I thought when we had Todd and Anna and Martina and Phil both realize they were detoured, and they go to this challenge. We saw Martina and Phil finish it first. I think they did it in the opposite order, if I'm right. Todd and Anna did the snake one first, and then Martina and Phil did the other one. So when yeah. Martina and Phil were leaving the sewing, and Todd and Anna were coming in, I'm like, well, Martina and Phil definitely have this one, because there's no way Todd or Anna are going to be as good at sewing as Martina is. And the other challenge, it's, it's literally just it takes everybody the same amount of time. But then there was a good moment where t um, uh, Anna goes in there, and she's like, oh, well, I'm basically a sewing expert as well. And, uh, you know, she got through it probably with a little more challenge, but just as quickly. So that's where I think that this double U-turn actually worked in that it wasn't a blowout. And it actually made it... A, now, in the end, Martina Phil got a lot ahead. But it, it, was a, it was a good moment they threw in there, at least where we knew that uh, Anna wasn't just going to get blown away by this. Now, 
here's one of the other highlights of the episode, which when it came up, I thought, oh, this is so boring. Because, again, something else we didn't talk about was the Ondel Ondel dance, which should <laughs> I, it lasted what of ten seconds in this episode. Uh, highlighted the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and the speed bump. We're gonna put those up as Hall of Fame scenes. But we get to this where I'm like, it's another you know cultural dance thing, and I'm just like, this is gonna be so boring. But this was a great challenge because everybody made a fool of themselves, with the exception of Phil, who's apparently the world's greatest dancer, and Dylan, who use his karate skills to master this Indonesian dance, this hand-clapping dance. Everybody looks so stupid doing it. There were so many great moments in here. Todd, uh, or just as Todd's going up to the challenge, he's running up, and Anna's like, this is going to well. Todd's very well coordinated. <laughs> he slips and falls on the stairs. Um, I also have to add in here a uh, great moment where let's start adding to Phil's resume here. Phil is a dancer and Ikea dresser repairman. <laughs> She's like, he's great with his hands. He repaired my Ikea dresser. <laughs> and apparently it worked. But uh, I'm going to put this up as, you know, maybe my favorite challenge of the whole season so far. I love this challenge. Yeah, I think this is great. And the fact, I love when we have those moments where, like, the local audience gets involved and like they laugh at people and you can just see that they're like having fun they're not putting it on um there's laughing at stupid foreigners um and yeah just this this whole episode was such like a roller coaster watching it like like i'm always preparing myself throughout the episode like as soon as martina and phil like get you turned i'm like stupidly mad at like nancy melissa like ridiculously (laughs) so um and the whole episode, it's almost like I'm preparing myself, like, oh, like, no, like, they're going to be in, like, the bottom two teams. Like, I feel like it's definitely not non-elimination episode because we've had that so soon before. And, like, they could be going home. Like, this is it. Soak it, soak it all up. Soak up all the brilliance. And then this reveal of, like, the feel, like, yeah, like, I break dance in my um, parents' basement or, or, or whatever it was. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, this is like the best moment of the season is like this reveal of like, okay, Phil is actually going to be amazing at this challenge. And I just feel overall this was such a good like Phil episode because Martina like is is the star of that team, but, but Phil kind of, he almost like builds her up and like it's not like he's just there. Like some of these teams, I feel like with like Nancy and Melissa, it's like Nancy is kind of the big unexpected star from that team. And like with Melissa, you don't get much. But this is a team where, like, both of them are big characters and, like, they work together to kind of, like, build that team and, and build those moments. Mm-hmm. And just this challenge overall was just, like, the best challenge. And I think Phil, he has potential to be, like, this is kind of like a Chip and Kim team where he's going to step up and just own everything that she can't do. So when we can get them in a challenge like this where it's playing to his skills... It just it, it's it's an interesting dynamic to have this guy who can just dominate and be physical, and his sister who just struggles with everything, but is such a hilarious character. I just I don't know if we've ever seen a team like them before. I'm not even just talking about Martina as a character, which we said last week, uh, but like as a team, two people who are, seem to be such polar opposites as far as their abilities on this race go, but just working so well as a team and their personalities click too. Uh, the other team I want to talk about is Rossi uh, mentioned them briefly. Uh, well, you mentioned them too, with Nancy and Melissa. This is, I'm not going to call it stunt casting, but 
the thing that I don't understand is on the Amazing Race, when you get a team like this, like why are they putting a team together who didn't know each other? Because I don't feel like they have a lot of chemistry, at least at this point. It definitely built in this episode, but it just it, it, it feels like a team that was thrown together at the last minute. And then the show's coming out here and telling you this is a team that was thrown together at the last minute. And I don't know if this is a recruitment situation, because although Melissa Hollingsworth's like a big name in her sport, it's not like if you're going to be CTV going out there saying, we want an Olympic athlete on the next Amazing Race because it's the Heroes Edition. They're going to be like, all right, well, we could do Penny Alexiak, we could do Andre DeGrasse, we could do Melissa Hollingsworth. She's not going to be like even in the top 10. And, and this is coming from the guy who said, I am watching and covering this season because Melissa Hollingsworth is on it. But this is a bronze medalist from 10 years ago or 12 years ago or whatever. So I have to figure that she somehow applied for this show or maybe it was a situation like, you know, uh, they went to a publicist and said, what Olympic athlete do you have that's available? They're like, Melissa Hollingsworth. And they're like, how many friends do you have? And she's like, none that wanted to be Amazing Race. I can ask around with some friends at the stable. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre that not only are they on here, and I'm liking them more, but that the show's going out of their way to remind us this is not a real team. <laughs> I just think they still barrel rights and they're like, yep. <laughs> put Nancy on. Like, they just know yeah. from, from history, if you put a barrel racer on a show, um, clearly they're going to be successful. They, they could have been like, you know, they meet her and they're like, no way is she ever getting on this show. And like, you know, she barrel races. Aw, oh, come on. <laughs> You know we gotta do it now. <laughs> uh, can we come up with a list eventually of all the barrel races to do this? Uh, so, one other team I want to talk about... Uh, well, well, I guess we'll go through them as they check in. Uh, I just want to say, this guy... First of all, the location they have here in Indonesia, this giant wooden bridge looks spectacular. And I think they've really stepped it up this year with the uh, pit stop locations. Uh, but I love this guy when the first two teams check in. So you have uh, um, Leanna Mar and Nancy Melissa back-to-back. And these are the two teams who are like, you know, we want to be at the front. Again. Well, Leanna Mar have been at the front each time, but Nancy Melissa saying they want to do it. And this guy, you know, he could have just said, welcome to Jakarta, Indonesia. But I don't know if you noticed, but he basically said it two times back-to-back without any humor. Like, as bland as you could welcome to jakarta indonesia welcome to jakarta indonesia and he didn't even like change his expression his tone of voice it was hilarious uh let's cover i guess leanne and mar first here uh i'll go back to what i said after the first two episodes you know i hate those teams to say everybody underestimated us i'll talk about another one of those a little later on uh They've totally proven me wrong because I had them, I think, dead last in my rankings. Yeah, I had them dead last in my rankings. Uh, and you weren't far behind with having them second last <laughs> in your rankings. I'm going to go as far as to say they are the most competitive team we have this season and the clear front runners at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think favorites to win. Uh, at this stage, just based on the first four legs, and I think they're, just, they're a fun team to watch too. They're just always kind of... Uh, upbeat, even if one only does promotional cheerleading, so she doesn't know how to dance. <laughs> uh, Nancy and Melissa, I gave all my opinions on them, uh, but I will say, despite my questions about how they were cast on the show, 
I do think that both of them have slowly come into their own. I think Melissa's slowly coming into her own. It's just weird that as the celebrity of this season, she's shown us less personality. And I, that almost sounds wrong. I mean, to say that she's shown less personality. She's been more reserved in front of the camera than anybody else I've seen so far. Nancy, though, I mean, we're getting a ton of personality out of her. She's definitely kind of carrying the team for entertainment. Uh, but I like that they were able to set up a storyline for themselves in this episode by saying, you know, we slipped last week, but we really are chasing that first place. And they came close on this one. Um, I feel like this is going to be the running theme of the episode. Like they're going to be that team where they're always second or they're always third. And then somehow they miraculously win it in the last episode. It'll be a great story if they can get there. Mm, yeah, I agree. Like three second places over like, four legs and i just love that uh i don't know i just love nancy she's just always so like she just seems so frazzled and like aggressive towards melissa but then she like follows it up like they like kind of make up like after the fact um but yeah i think they're just a fun team uh, and i do agree i think melissa is slowly kind of coming into her own we saw like a few like the moment in the taxi like i think you're scaring him um <laughs> <laughs> i just think yeah that, like, it's almost like as the race is going on, they're kind of getting to know each other more. So there is a bit more of that banter back and forth between the two. And Dylan and Kwame, like, these guys are both huge stars now. Um, that fairy moment of knocking on the door, like, I'll never forget that. Because <laughs> uh, they were so serious in doing it. Like, you know they weren't joking. And, uh, you know, Dylan with his karate skills, like, that's something that's memorable. Um, yeah, these guys, I mean, every time they're on screen... They're just, like, full of charisma. Uh, I can't wait to to see when they get to eventually get to an all-star season because I feel like if there's another team that's a lock other than uh, Martina and Phil, I feel like these guys are the next lock for it. Yeah, I think Dylan, too, was, like, MVP of the episode with, with that roadblock. Like, Phil crushed it, too, but I think Dylan just was like, yep. And it was, I suppose, maybe even more unexpected, the whole, like, yeah, I do karate, so this is just, like... Easy paint by numbers, just follow the steps. Like, I just think they're a great team. Uh, I love the over-the-top celebrations. I'm still waiting for somebody to get hurt uh, who's not involved in the race. The pit stop greeter. Uh, I was terrified that they might have stepped on like a snake or killed an animal at some point. Um, but, but they're great. All right, so here's the one I wanted to complain about a little bit: Zainab and Monica. <laughs> And I don't even want to really complain about them. It's just, I'm going to go back to the same thing I complain about. Anytime somebody's on The Amazing Race and says, I think people are underestimating us. Uh, let me start out with the good here. After the first two episodes, we were saying, yeah, it's not that we have anything good or bad to say. It's just they're just there. They're, they're the invisible team. I don't think they're the invisible team anymore. I think the one thing that I took out of these episodes is that they seem to really be enjoying themselves now. But when you make that comment about everybody's underestimating this, first of all, I hate that. And second of all, you started this episode off talking about how bad your performance has been so far. If people are underestimating you, by your own admission at this beginning of this episode, they have reason to. So don't fault people and say they're underestimating. I think at this point, if they were underestimating you, they were, they were just estimating Maybe overestimating, <laughs> but there was certainly no underestimating going on when you were like one of the bottom teams for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think they're still kind of just the team that's there for me at the moment. Like uh, during the episode, I'll be like making notes and writing down funny quotes. I don't think I've written down anything that they've said mm. uh, or done kind of 
up to this point. Um, I mean, they're probably the team that I would be least upset to lose at this point, but I do agree that, like, there's... I feel like there's potential there for them to be interesting. It's just getting them kind of in the right situation. I just want to go back to the last episode. Um, I'm gonna First of all, I'm going to add, along with Zainab and Monica, I think that Taylor and Courtney are now the one of those teams that they're just there and you can't really think about any great moments they have because I struggle to think about anything that we've seen out of them in these first four episodes. Now, having said that, I do think that they're likable. Uh, the one thing I would have loved in the last episode, because they, they made sure to say, you know, as RCMP officers, we do a lot of driving. How great would it have been that Corvette challenge if the police officers were the only ones who were caught speeding? <laughs> That's what I wanted to see. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have much to say about them other than like Adamant, which you, you're you not familiar with this, but Adam and Andrea, the other brother and sister team from the last season, I thought was a little bit more unique than them. Yeah, I think this is another team where there's one person in the team who is a kind of a lot more interesting and funny than the other. I think that Taylor more so, I don't know. It's just when he gets into these dancing challenges and you don't expect him to be great at them. Um, but you can just tell that like, he's just going out there, giving it a go, like enjoying himself and actually doing all right. Um, I mean, how did you not find it might, might, it might bite us, whatever. Um, <laughs> funny about the snake and then Courtney's like uh not whatever um I think there's like more potential than Zayn and Monica for this team to kind of grow like as as the race goes along I think I just like automatically like them because it is the whole like sibling, sibling team factor which is the dream um but no I think Taylor is 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 funny um and I don't think Courtney's terrible so I, I mean we'll see moving forward I don't even know if there's anything else we could add on Martina and Phil. Um, <laughs> they're just all around amazing. Other than the fact that I'm with you with this week, in a way, and uh, coming from the guy who's watching this for Melissa Hollingsworth, still hoping to really get something good, um, I, I I felt a little bit of anger towards them when I saw them put Martina and Phil. Because like, if they get eliminated this soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I feel like we're at the point where we may not have the heart to cover this show if they get eliminated. Because I, I try to picture myself, if they get eliminated, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And then what if there's three episodes left after that? Are we going to be having fun? Are we going to be angry? Are we still going to be asking Martina questions of the week? Like, what would we do without them? Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Because you do think if they go, then there is this void to fill and like which team is going to be the team that, that, that fills that. Like you just imagine like they have all this footage of Martina and Phil. And I just imagine for like the editors, it's like difficult to decide like, what are we going to like put in the episode? We've got to cut something, but we want to keep kind of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will almost be like, I hope that they don't go, but if they do, it will be interesting to see what other teams kind of come to the forefront and take that real, character role in the season mm-hmm. i just think i'd like to add to that martina's celebration when they completed <laughs> uh the roadblock was so good because so many times it comes down to this thing of like you complete the roadblock and obviously people are super excited but at the same time they're like oh i don't want to kind of rub it into anybody else's yeah. faces that they're still here so let's be like politically correct here and kind of only half celebrate but like she just doesn't hold back it's like 
Indonesia number one. She's screaming. The crowd's going crazy. Um, I think it's just the best moment. I think if you beat another team, it's something you can brace it and kind of uh, just celebrate properly, rub it in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Courtney and Adam, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because we all predicted them to be at the top. I mean, I think I had Taylor and Courtney as my number one. Uh, yeah, I had Taylor and Courtney as my number one, but Courtney and Adam uh, as top four. You and Rossi both predicted them number one. I feel like we have missed the fact that they are a truly awful team as well. <laughs> They're like scraping the bottom week after week after week. So it's not just one challenge. I mean, I'm going to put this out there. Love doesn't buy you anything on the amazing race. Like if the two start arguing and bickering, maybe they'll have a little more success. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. Like I, feel like they're almost going to be that team that continues to scrape by. I just get that feeling from them that they're going to be like second last kind of every mm-hmm. every week and somehow manage to remain in it. And I just get the feeling that they'll finish last and that'll be like the non-elimination episode. Um, yeah, there's just been nothing, maybe apart from the knot tying, there's been nothing that they've been great at and everything else they're mediocre to, to terrible at. Mm-hmm. Um and they just always seem to be, like, towards the back of the pack at, like, the end of the episodes. I feel like throughout the episodes, they're kind of up there, like, near, like, the top of the order, or at least in the middle. But by the end, it's like they're always towards the back of the pack. They always have some, like, terrible mistake mid-episode that, like, bumps them down the order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to lose them, but I just have a gut feeling that they are going to be that team that's, mm-hmm. like, second last every week until it comes to the last week and then I mean in the last week who knows what can happen mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I will say about them whether it's their personalities or the way that the editors are presenting them they are characters they have a distinct personality as much as we make fun of it uh, and a lot of other teams don't have that at that point or at this point so um, yeah I think they got something going for them now Todd and Anna just like last week here's the real curse it's first to last now they weren't first place last week but they've basically been the most competitive team they even start off this episode by saying you know they are the front runners they you know have finished in all of the top three positions first second and third and then all the way to the bottom now i think the easy excuse to make for them would be oh the u-turn burned them like these guys got screwed by the u-turn which i think only works if you just watch this episode we go back to what we were talking about with the uh the express passes in the last one. And this is why the express passes being used in the last episode made this more dramatic because this wasn't just a situation of Todd and Anna got screwed over by the U-turn. This was Todd and Anna got screwed over by the U-turn and they wasted their express pass last week. Cause if they had held on to that, they would be, you know, they wouldn't be top three teams necessarily this week, but they wouldn't have been last. I mean, Courtney Adam would have gone home. Um, so it's a sad way for them to go out because I think that Todd especially uh, surprised everybody just with a performance. But I think, you know, he was great as a character too, just being, as we kind of joked, the Superman of this season where he can do everything. But I don't know. This, it's, it's, it's a tragic way for them to go out, but it's, it's such a great story that we have that using the express pass at the wrong time can cost you because you never know. Like if he, they'd held on to one week, they'd still be here. Guaranteed, they'd be here. 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think props to uh, the producers making this an Illumination episode. I feel like it's become such a trend recently for like double U-turn or just single U-turn, but then at the end of the episode, it's not Illumination, so you can have this drama moving forward between teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, it just like sucks out the whole like point of having like those U-turns. Like it, There's no like drama when it comes to the end that's like non-Illumination. Um I I just think if you have a U-turn it and you have so many non-elimination legs resulting from that, it makes teams not want to use the U-turn because they figure, well, whoever we use it on is going to have a vendetta against us and they're not actually going to go home. Um, so I think it's good to have kind of the harshness of, yes, like the U-turn did kind of screw you over, uh, but that's how the race works and you're going home. So like that in the future... If the U-turn comes back, more teams use it, and they use it on the stronger teams to, to get them out. So I think props to the producers and props to uh, Zainab and Monica for, for using the U-turn on a stronger team. If we look at our predictions, um, so first off with Joseph and Akash, boy, this is going to be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's start with Rossi since he's not here. Rossi predicted them to be in fifth place. Uh, Jared, you predict them to be in fourth place. I predicted Joseph and Akash to be second place. <laughs> so the point clearly goes to Rossi this week. Um, and he was still pretty far off on this. Todd and Anna, this one's going to be a little bit more of a competition here. Uh, you and Rossi both had them in sixth place. So you're two spots off, but... I had them in ninth, so only one position off. I get the point on Todd and Anna. Uh, I don't know. I feel like our our predictions are looking more and more grim every single week. <laughs> you got Courtney and Adam at number one. Rossi's got Courtney and Adam at number one. I got Taylor and Courtney at number one. Um, I had Joseph and Akash number two. You had Taylor and Courtney two for you and well, you and Rossi both had them. Uh, you know what? It's ultimately going to come down to uh, with the way yours and Rossi's predictions are. It's the fact that you had Chewy and Happy in third place, and Rossi had Dylan and Kwame. So I don't know. I feel like Rossi could run away with this thing in the end. Um, are you Are you happy with your predictions at this point? Uh, no. <laughs> I feel like one, they're terrible, and two, like I'm screwed over because I feel like Rossi has so many predictions that are exactly the same. So even if I do get a point at some stage, uh, I won't be the only person getting that point. So I think. Um, Honestly, at this stage, I'd rather finish the whole thing on zero points um, <laughs> somehow because I think that would be more impressive and I'd be kind of happy about that. And then, I mean, I, that I've jinxed teams higher up the order. So, I mean, I'd be worried about Courtney and Adam uh, and Taylor and Courtney next week. Uh, let's rate this episode. So, uh, you binned the last one, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you already said this one was better. It was probably your favorite one of the season. Uh, are you going to go as far as to buy it, or are you going to rent it? Or are you going to bin it, and it was just a slightly better bin? No, I'm I'm buying this uh, leg four, number one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would watch this episode over and over again. Yeah, I'm completely agreeing with you. This is hands down my favorite one of the season so far. Uh, I'm buying this one, too. Once Rossi eventually watches this episode, he's going to buy it as well. I'm just going to claim right now Rossi's buying this episode, and if he didn't he's not welcome on the show anymore <laughs> uh, agreed <laughs> agreed so we're gonna be back maybe next week hopefully next week so we can do a single episode but uh again we're glad that people are still listening 
And uh, Martina, you have your project for the week. Any other contestants who are listening, uh, send out, make that the trend. Let's get trending pictures of contestants listening to our show or at least being polite enough to load our show on their Firefox or Google Chrome and then take a picture and then never bother to listen to us. Uh, but we'll hopefully Yeah, I want to... Go ahead. I want a photo of Phil um, doing like a handstand while watching the episode. Yes. Or some like breakdancing move. Adam, can we get you tying a knot while <laughs> listening to the episode? Uh, Adam and Courtney kissing while watching the episode. Yeah, or dry heaving. Um, <laughs> uh, Melissa... Um, get a picture with Nancy (laughs) 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 listening to our episode Uh, Leanne and Mar um, cheering or something yeah we got to get this thing going here (laughs) yes that's a great idea Uh, we'll be back next week Uh, you can also listen to probably I don't know exactly the minute it goes up but around the time this episode is going up we're going to have our final Mission Impossible recap uh, Rogue Nation and probably within a day because 24 hours from now I'll be sitting in a theater watching Mission Impossible Fallout. Jamie and I are going to bring you a quick review episode. It doesn't come up for Ben for another week, so Ben and I will bring you a longer one next week, but uh, lots of Mission Impossible coming up this weekend. And then the special project we talked about, some truly bin-worthy movies that uh, we're going to be able to be covering. And then more Amazing Race and more of Ben's regular Nip Talk, Lost, and other stuff. And no Survivor, sorry to say. Uh, Jared, thank you for joining us again this week. And uh, thank you for pushing Rossi up the hill for the first episode. No problem, it's been fun. And my name is Colin, and uh, as I said before, you're such a bigot, Casper! Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.